once knew these two guys. Each, in their own way, had had it all. And blew it. Left with broken brains and battered bravery, having to find parts of themselves they had seen in film and cinema. But who were they anymore? If they were going to do this, it needed to be the most thorough search for identity ever undertaken. Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast with your hosts, Ben Groves and Rob McFarlane. This episode contains spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Groves. My name's Rob McFarlane. <laughs> I thought you forgot your name then. <laughs> this is our weekly mental health check-in, disguised as a movie podcast. Yes, it is. And oh boy, do I need it this week. <laughs> before uh, before we get to what we're covering, Ben, how are we doing? Well, I mean, judging from that intro, <laughs> a damn sight better than you, sir. Uh, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Mm. I've been watching a lot of Jim Jarmusch movies. Oh, yeah. Super fun. I discovered... Stroking your chin. Stroking my chin, man. Yeah. I've uh, discovered Earl Grey tea. Oh, God. That's fantastic. The fact that both those things happened in the same week is the, the least <laughs> surprising thing. <laughs> Next, you're going to be like, the last. it's the last fact you're going to be, you've started wearing a beret. Oh, God, no. These happened... I, I That's fucking amazing. <laughs> but also, the Earl Grey thing happened completely randomly. So I, I was mm. making someone an Earl Grey tea, and I yeah. bought a whiff of it and was like, oh... So this is what it's like to eat potpourri, just wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ooh, ooh, bergamot. I think I'm going to make that my identity going forward. Maybe not. Maybe more like, <laughs> I've not seen a potpourri that I didn't want to try and eat. I've just never seen one that I didn't think that that looks delicious. You're vegan, so most of your food looks like potpourri anyway. Well, it can taste like it as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably seasoned by the same shit. <laughs> How are you, man? Uh, well, it's a long story. Uh, for those listeners who are worried, I've not gone out another window. It's just been uh, a, ser- a series of unfortunate lemony snicket events <laughs> that has led to... I'm on a lot of codeine at the moment. Your evil plan was thwarted by children. Isn't that lemony snicket? Everyone's yeah. evil plan is thwarted by children. Every parent's evil plan has been thwarted by children. <laughs> I sat there in the supermarket telling Tarquin to get the iPad out of his mouth or he won't have quinoa <laughs> this evening. And they sat there being like, I used to do ketamine off strangers' tummies at raves. <laughs> and oh no, I got lemony snickertits. That was the most common thing said in the poshest way possible. <laughs> I used to do ketamine off tummies of strangers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They called their child Tarquin and they're telling it to get the iPad out of the mouth. It was all in character. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Waitrose. Sure. And posh. We're doing a film about magicians. Yeah. Yeah. This week we are back on our Christopher Nolan train. Fucking Christopher toot, toot. Nolan. Christopher fucking Nolan. <laughs> um, and yeah, we are doing the Prestige. The Prestige. The Prestige. Which, to be honest with you, Rob, uh, I have had to watch this multiple times <laughs> because the first time I watched this, I was like, mm. "Why am I watching?" A fucking dick-sized comparison contest between magicians <laughs> in Victorian London. It was such a difficult thing to get my head into. <laughs> so, this could not be... Ma- magicians? Yeah, you're not fond of magicians. Yeah, Victorian era, I'm checked out. Mm. Fucking, I can do better trick than you. 
could not give less of a fuck. So the first watch through, I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> Since then, I have forced my, I, I forced myself through a second one and I was like, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. And then after the fourth watch, I was like, all right, the story's fantastic. <laughs> but it's still magicians. Yeah. And it's still Victorian yeah. London. I always knew this was going to be a difficult sell for you because oh, there mate. is no life form on this planet that you despise more than magicians. I feel like you would happily <laughs> eat magicians. You're not a vegan. You're a you're a ma- ma- vegan magician. Yeah, ch- uh, chuck a magician on a menu. I'd I'd have a nibble. Why not? Yeah, yeah, Fuck yeah. It. You wouldn't give a shit that it was like d- died traumatically in a slaughterhouse. Yeah. You'd be like, it's a magician. Who gives a want? shit? It's barely got a nervous system. Yeah, I know, right? I <laughs> yeah. could never trust them. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. And that's what it. That's what it is. You you you're Mister Trust Issues. So some somebody who distorts reality by by pretending a thing's happened when it's not happened. You're like, <laughs> I hate thing. that. It's someone walking up to you and go, "Hey, do you want to see a magic trick?" You may as well walk up to me and go, "Hey, do you want to see me lie to your face?" And you fall for it. No, <laughs> I'd much rather not. Thank you, though. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I don't have trust issues, and I'm also smart enough to know that it's not magic; it's a trick, and therefore yeah, a very I'm good one. I'm not scared yeah. of magic. I don't think. Oh my god, this man has like a, an ethereal control over the seven of clubs. Yeah, you are. You're like a medieval peasant looking at a lighter. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> I'm like the Welsh people seeing an aeroplane. Yeah, yeah. The second that guy comes up and goes, "Do you want to see a magic trick?" You're already building a stake. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm, hay I'm sharpening like a little twig that I've just picked up. <laughs> what did you say, buddy? Something about lying to my face. Well, the benefit of to enjoy uh, it? those that haven't seen mm-hmm. this film, two things: we're going to flip the coin on IMDb synopsis and see if it's given us yes. a single sentence or the full script. Oh, I hope it's neither. <laughs> and we're also we're also going to give a fat spoiler warning because it's a. Uh, it's a Nolan movie, right? It's like M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's, you know... He fucking spoiled this movie himself. Immediately. So, he did. You know we'll what I mean? To that. We'll get to that. But this, we put a spoiler warning in, in the intro. However, this is one of my... I'd say this is in my top ten. Not my top five. It's in my top ten. So if you've not seen it... Top ten, like, of all time or just Nolan movies? Of all time. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should we do IMDb and get into it? Yeah, hold on. That's genuinely thrown me for six. I did yeah. not expect that sentence to come out of your mouth. No, I know. I've struggled for so long to try and mm-hmm. figure out what your fucking exact niche yeah. film choice is. And this is in the top ten. Yeah. It gets worse from here, mate. It gets worse from here. All right. <laughs> All right. IMDb, are you ready? Are you ready for either full script or a single sentence? Mate, this is my favourite part of the episode. Come on, give it to me. All right, none taken. After a tragic accident, <laughs> after a tragic accident, two stage magicians in 1890s London engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. And then, and then that's it. Excellent. That's it. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that just can you just read it one more time for me? Because I was, I the entire thing I was cringing at. Just, just give me, the, give me one more time. After a tragic accident, two <laughs> stage magicians in 1890s London engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. I like that that was in character of what I assume was a magician. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was totally, very nice. Totally, yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, all of our magician listeners, because we know that about 75% of our listeners are also <laughs> magicians, practicing magicians. Um, 
We love you. I love you very mm. dearly, sincerely. Uh, thank you for the support. Also, you're a liar. <laughs> okay. You've got a synopsis. You, what's your synopsis? Okay, you always my... write a withering <laughs> takedown of my movie taste. Yeah, I did. But I didn't do that for this one. Oh, thank you, babe. I'm glad I didn't because you just told me that how important it is to you. Top 10 movie for some reason. <laughs> so that's, that's going to take a while to settle with me. All right. I'll, I mean, uh, we're here to explain why it's a top 10 movie, so you can relax. Yeah, I, I'm desperate to hear this. <laughs> You'll literally be the first to know why. <laughs> oh, babe, thanks. Aren't I a lucky fella? I didn't write a scathing synopsis or like a funny, ha ha, mm, this is about right. magicians. Yeah. Um, I've got a theory. Okay. That I'm working this on. Is, this is wildly against the format. <laughs> yeah i know okay. i know just that i thought you know we've been getting we've been getting used to our format recently yeah, why yeah, not we, just you know, fucking we, ignore it yeah yeah <laughs> we finally tidied all the content into nice shelves that are easy to yeah. scan so the listener can know where they are in the episode without yeah having to guess and you've just so my theory rob mcfarlane who's got a cheeky grin on his face and that's very nice very welcome to see for the first <laughs> time <right>. today <laughs> it's, it's it's the smile of bear tolerance okay. please continue you ready it's a gorilla smile Okay, well, this theory will wipe it right off your face. The Greatest Showman prequel. I hate you so much. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It tracks. Kind of. Barely. It is a spider's web across the Grand Canyon, right? Do you remember when Jodie Foster walks in to meet Hannibal Lecter for the first time? Yes. And the guy just Spider-Man's her. It's It's that across the Grand Canyon. The Greatest Showman prequel. Okay, so hear me out. The director of Greatest Showman yes. saw the prestige and was like fuck mm. me that's a bit bleak isn't it mm-hmm. but I tell you what would be fun what about if it turns out that Angia is actually P.T. Barnum and I'll do a little prequel movie like an origin an, an Angia origin story mm. but it you know got carried away turned it into a nice fun little musical with Zac Efron do you remember when I said I've had a difficult week involving this, dentistry is, and all this yeah. sort of thing is this making yeah. it better uh, it, it's actually topped it, mate. So oh, you're welcome. Yeah, you'll be coming up in my little <laughs> my little PTSD Barnum section later. PTSD <laughs> Barnum, see now you're on board. It totally tracks, right? A little bit of context about the Prestige, the movie we're actually fucking covering. Yes, Nolan had made Batman <laughs> Begins at this point. He'd already yeah. started his Batman trilogy. For those of you who were expecting that film, uh, you're a new listener. Welcome. Uh, we covered every Batman movie ever around about this time last year. So if you, it's not that long a scroll. No, uh, episode ninety nine. Episode ninety nine. We covered Batman Begins. Yeah, we were at a wildly different time in our lives. I still lived in London, worked in music, and was an active drug user. So a very yeah. different time in our lives. Yeah. Um, but it, we we covered them. Ben hated them, and turned out he loved them. But Batman Begins. I just want to point out that Nolan's just come off the back of. Had made three hundred and forty-seven million pounds doing Batman. Doing Batman, he made three hundred and forty-seven million. Is that pounds or dollars? Dollars, sorry, dollars. Yeah, three hundred and forty-seven million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Off Batman Begins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and immediately thinks. Well, no, what he what he says is, "Ah, uh, that was fun. Can I have just a cool forty million? Which is a hundred and ten million less than you've just given me. Yeah, and I'll just go make this quick side project movie that I'm I fancy making. Uh, okay, but just before we sign that check, Christopher Nolan, what's this side project about? About dueling magicians, mate. Oh, 
Like, Fantastic. Yeah. Not, here's not like the Gan- check. B- not like Gandalf though. Like like real oh. like Dean Stavros. Oh, so, sure. <laughs> so not the fun kind. No, 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 no. The Edward no, Norton kind. No, no real magic. Well, maybe a little bit of real magic. Uh, mm. But but we'll see. Yeah. No, it's mm. um. This is it. This is Nolan's forty million um hobby between his Batman movies. Right. Okay. So his quick little jaunt. His quick little jaunt with forty million that made a hundred and ten million dollars at the box office. I can't believe that this made a hundred and ten mil. I fucking can. I mean, I guess so because it's Chris Nolan. He's coming off Batman Begins and fucking Insomnia. Memento. Yeah, okay, I see why it made 110. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can see that. But I don't get, at the same time, I don't get why people were doing this and being sort of like, oh, wow, everyone should see this. For the for the actual benefit of the listener, besides your right. PTSD Barnum. Let me, let me give you a quick rundown. Give me so, a rundown of the movie. The whole movie is set out like an actual magic trick. It is. set into Every magic trick is set into three acts. The act one, you've got the pledge. Act two, you've got the turn. And act three, you've got the prestige. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Right. Yeah. So in act one of our movie, we are introduced to Robert Angier and Alfred Borden. Two Angie friends. Is played by Angie is played by Hugh Jackman and yep. Alfred Borden. Borden played by Christian Bale. Two friends and magicians. And a tragic accident creates a rivalry between them. Angia seeks revenge and vows to outdo Borden's magic tricks. Yep. And the act ends with Borden performing a mesmerizing trick, leaving Angia desperate to uncover his secret. Yes, yeah, so so there's uh, Angia played by Hugh Jackman. There is uh, Borden played by uh, Christian Bale. There's a couple of other characters. So um, Borden's got a girlfriend. Angia's got a wife who dies, which is the sort of tragic... Uh, mm-hmm trick that goes wrong borden's and fault there, though yeah, maybe uh and there is uh an engineer who's basically he's a sort of professional magic trick developer uh called cutter he's played by michael kane and michael kane incredible character essentially mentors both of these young early magicians into starting their own acts he's there when um angie's wife dies and he's sort of the 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 guy in the chair for both of them, right? He's the guy who sorts them out with the tricks they want, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, he uh, builds and, it, does everything that they need sort of doing. Yeah. And well, after they fall out, after the, the death of Angie's wife, um, Borden, played by Christian Bale, does this trick called the transported man, where essentially he moves across, he moves across the stage between two cupboards almost instantaneously. And, and Cutter says, well, he uses a double... And Jackman's like, he clearly doesn't use a fucking double. And yeah, we go into real a- magic cutter. Just because you're a professional <laughs> magic trick maker who builds all the apparatus for myself and for Borden. He doesn't say it's real magic. He just mm. says it's not a double. And yeah. we go into act two, the turn. Yeah. Where they are, they are at war with one another, essentially, yeah. over who can do the best version of this trick. So the rivalry here escalates as Angier and Borden develop their own unique tricks. So they're both yeah. fucking trying to do the transported man, but different versions of it. Yeah. They're building out their repertoire. They're building like newer, bigger tricks. Like yeah. it's different ways to make the dove disappear out of a cage whilst holding yeah. a cage. You know, yeah, yeah. that sort of shit. Uh, the bullet catch is Borden's obsession. He's obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Angier then seeks help from inventor Nikola Tesla. Yes, he does. Played by David Bowie, who is yeah. fucking beautiful in this film, by the way. <laughs> He's so good in this Dude, film. Dude, insane. 
Insane. David Bowie was wasted as a musician. He had, yeah, you know, he had a couple of songs <laughs> that were all right, but he should have should have been an actor. It should have been Nikola Tesla. Uh, just, uh, yeah, he should have just been Nikola Tesla or the Goblin King. Yeah. So Angia seeks help from inventor Nikola Tesla to duplicate himself. Yep. Borden discovers the machine that Tesla gives Angia and sabotages Angia's trick. The second act, the turn, ends mm. with Angia framing Borden for his murder and getting him arrested slash the death sentence. The trick goes wrong. It's, mm. uh, Borden, played by Christian Bell, goes he goes under the trapdoor because he knows there's a trapdoor under this Nikola Tesla built machine. Yes. Um, and as he gets, literally as he arrives, Angier, played by Hugh Jackman, drops through the stage and mm. drops into a fucking tank of water, which immediately locks, yeah. which is a sort of echo of how his wife died. Uh, and Borden is put on trial for pushing the tank under the trapdoor. Cutter, the engineer, is working with Algier. Uh, Fallon, uh, Fallon is is uh, Borden's engineer at this point. He's yeah. got, he gets his own engineer called Fallon, who sort of helps him uh, with his family, helps him with his tricks, all this sort of stuff. He's a bit of a mysterious character. Um, mysterious? He says no words for the entire thing, <laughs> and you maybe see his face three times. Yeah, which makes sense because we get to Act 3, The Prestige. So, The Prestige reveals the truth behind the rivalry and the magician's secrets. Borden realises that Angier is using doubles. But yeah, it, it turns out the machine is essentially cloning Angier's, right? <laughs> it's... <laughs> just, just one sec, because I need to talk to you about this, right? Right. Okay, we'll, I'm going to come back to it momentarily. Angier is sacrificing his own lives, right, plural, yeah. for his trick, using duplicates, yep. plural. Yes. Key part of this film. It's a secret sci-fi movie. People weren't expecting it, and I think a lot of the, the negativity towards this film but, is people walked in expecting it to be a straight film about magicians with rivalry, and then the Nikola Tesla cloning machine comes in, and there are thematic reasons for it being that way, which but I can understand people right. struggling with the idea of literal cloning. That I very much struggled with this, Rob. Yeah. Because at the end of this movie is essentially Angier stealing Borden's yeah. daughter and go and like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to him on yeah. it, you know, whilst he's on death row, going, I win, motherfucker. I don't need your magic secrets no more. I got your family. <laughs> <laughs> right on trial for my murder because yeah. they have a corpse of me that's a yeah. real corpse of me david bowie's nikola tesla building this machine for angier mm -hmm. builds a literal fucking cloning machine yep so yep. whenever angier gets into this machine creates a carbon copy of himself who he then murders literally who he then murders immediately mm -hmm. now i was struggling with the magicians i was struggling <laughs> with the night like the victorian London. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah. I was struggling with all of it, right? To then throw, oh, by the way, this is also a sci-fi fantasy where Nikola Tesla has invented literal cloning yeah. and sells it to a working stage magician. Not uh, There is no scientific application for it whatsoever. It's just for a <laughs> stage act in London for a rich magician. I'm like, that's, that's not quite how it goes down. It, uh, but bro, let's yeah. finish out the synopsis and we'll we'll get into sure. your issues with that. Sure. Borden is now on trial. 
hit yes. for the murder, which there is no way of getting around. There's a corpse yeah, of the man. There's like dead to rights. His, his family is being looked after by Angier's original or clone. We don't know. And I don't think Angier's knows either. I think it has to be a clone. Uh, yeah, I'm almost certain that the original dies every time. And, yeah. and there's thematic reasons for that that we'll get into as well. Okay. Um, but the final magic trick is that Cutter, played by Michael Caine, the engineer, cannot tolerate this cruelty. And after Alfie Borden has been hung, we get the, a scene of Al- Angier packing away all of his kit, seemingly retiring, and Fallon turns up. But Fallon is not Fallon, Borden's engineer. Fallon is Borden. And it turns Ooh. out that the for the entire film, it's a set of twins who've been sharing half a life each and doing essentially the magic trick of the transported man is that but they forever. are two people. Forever, they are two people who have lived as one person in order for the trick to work. Their only way out of poverty and desperation was to share one life and do something incredible with it than have two very ordinary lives as twins. And to achieve this, one brother would have to be in full makeup, wig, fake facial hair, everything. Did not look anything like Christian Bale at all. And then it would be one brother in that as Fallon, mm-hmm. playing the role as Fallon, and the other twin would be playing the role as Alfie. Yeah. Now... And they just there's switched. A, there's a, the movie ends with um, Borden, one of the Borden brothers, the remaining Borden brother, yep. killing Al- Algier. There's a little bit of a back and forth, a little bit of meaningful talk, uh, and uh, he gets the daughter uh, mm. because Algier, Algiers is dead. Michael Caine makes sure that the family can be together. Yeah. And essentially, both magicians are dead, and the brother goes on to live a normal life. Tesla, right, you mentioned it. I did. Totally derailed our synopsis for I'm the sorry. Tesla thing. It's, it's, it was very, very jarring to yeah. just all of a sudden have massive science fiction mm-hmm. plot but thrown here's the into thing. the middle of this. this. This film foreshadows every single thing that happens. Well, yeah, definitely. And one of the first times that we hear the name tesla Mm -hmm. in this film Mm -hmm. he says the line is he is what we claim to be we're magicians and he's an actual wizard that's the line that accompanies the first use of his name Mm -hmm. he invents a machine trying honestly to achieve teleportation yeah and accidentally creates this sort of flawed version where you don't actually one of you gets moved and mm-hmm. where you were originally stays the same, and is chased off his property by Edison. Yeah, Edison's henchman. Edison's henchman. And for those that don't know, Nikola Tesla invented alternating current, mm-hmm. and Edison invented direct current. We use both. ACDC, the band, are alternating current, dun. direct current. There was a very famous thing called the Current War, which is basically during the early days of electricity. Both of them had their technologies. They were competing at the time for the electric- the electrical grid that we use globally now. Mm. And they were both fighting to be the foremost in their field and to be the person who revolutionized and gave the gift of electricity to the world. They were prideful, spiteful men. And Tesla lost. Tesla lost because he was not as good a salesman. Edison would go around and he would do exhibitions 
where he would electrocute elephants using Tesla's electricity. I was going to say, didn't he like, didn't he like fucking kill a couple of elephants at the World's Fair the one year? Yeah, yeah, using his competitor's power to show how dangerous his competitor's power was. I don't get it though. Even though his power is legitimately more dangerous. Direct current, yeah. if you're electrocuted by it, will make your muscles seize. So if you touch a direct current exposed cable, yeah. your hand will grip and it will not let go and you will die. Ooh. Alternating current as the current changes direction yeah. and the electrons go one way and then the other 50 times a second, what happens is your hand gets released. Oh. Which is why it's safer. It will kill you quicker with pro- prolonged exposure, but it's much more difficult to get that prolonged exposure. <laughs> so, so Edison's answer to win this war between Tesla and Edison was, well, yeah, but I mean, it's more dangerous if you were just continuously electrocuted by it for like, let's say, I don't know, 30 seconds. Look at this elephant. 30 seconds later, dead. Edison wasn't the technician. Right. Edison would copy other people's ideas. He would have yeah. his engineers come up with stuff. He's He'd like the Steve was- Jobs of light bulbs. He's the Angiers of light bulbs. He's the better showman yeah. with the worst ideas. And the Borden mm. has got the better ideas and absolutely no fucking clue how to sell it. Didn't- so there's a clear parallel with the Tesla and Edison thing and these two magicians. Because it's not really, in my book, a mm-hmm. film about magic. It's a film about any art form or any field and the the dark side of trying to push that field forward and be the best. Okay, I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah, 100% I agree with you on that. Quick question. Yeah. Was Tesla in love with a pigeon? I yes. think I read that somewhere. Uh, and- don't know. I think he was fond of pigeons. Like, some people have, like, a hobby. Like, you've got a dog, okay. right? Would you say you're in love with your dog? Uh, no, it, that, that, it's not strong enough. I would take a bullet for my dog. Well, there we go. Without he, even he, a second thought. He might have had a pet pigeon, but I don't know if he was in love with a pigeon. Do you know what I mean? Aww. Well, either way, yeah. it's very sweet. Yeah. So I agree with you on that point about it not being a film about magic because my first watch through, as I said, very tough. I I was struggling to get my head into it because of all the fucking like, mm-hmm. it, essentially everything that could go against the grain for me in this film did. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. And it all happened without warning. <laughs> so yeah. I was immediately yeah, yeah, like, yeah. fuck me. Uh, yeah. And it just doesn't stop. It just keeps going. Right. Mm-hmm. The best thing about this film is trying to push forward mm. whatever field you're in, trying to be the best, trying to outdo everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is, is a very, very real thing, and it's relatable at, at every in every yeah. industry, in every art form, at, at yeah. every point, right? Um, any moment throughout time, someone is 100% doing that. The, the problem that I had with this movie is, obviously, me and you have done this. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar. So this is it was quite relatable on my second watch through, because I started looking yeah. deeper, like, under the surface. We've both devoted far too much time and effort and energy to a career that gave zero fucks about us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then what do we have to show for it? Fuck all. Yeah, exactly. I have a decade down the drain. Mental health issues. And I missed out on tons of shit and a fucking broken brain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's when I'm watching this happen in front of me, and it's almost like it makes it bad, but I'm almost watching it as if to be sort of like, what is the fucking point? And then I'm also thinking... Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck, that was me. Ten years ago, this yeah, is yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. And then it, it kind of hurts to watch because I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. You're watching how much these guys are desperate to be remembered and how fucking self-centered and short-sighted they are mm-hmm. to the fact of the people that are going to remember you when you're dead and gone are your friends, yeah. your family, the people you work with, the you know the people you make an impression on. Mm-hmm. And these guys just fucking ignore those completely to try and out-dick each other. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's crazy. I can see why this film didn't 
didn't immediately grab you because of all mm. the surface stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. even when you remove that surface stuff, you're not watching two protagonists that you should like. No, you're watching two right? cunts fucking yeah. slap each other with a wet fish yeah, and then yeah, go, yeah, my yeah. fish is bigger than yours. But if we, if we, you and I had sat down and watched this film 10 years ago when we were in those careers and we were putting everything we could on mm. that little altar and going, oh, yeah, my yeah. time, I'll sacrifice that to my career. Yeah, my yeah. health, I'll sacrifice that to my career. My personal relationships, it's fine. My career, mm. you know, my career, yeah, my career, yeah, yeah. my career. We would have had a fundamentally different view on this film then. Thousand percent agree. Right. Thousand percent. This is this is purely about for me personally, the mm-hmm. main takeaway for me is identity. Yeah. Struggling to know who you are, struggling to struggling with the fact that you might not be the best at what you've decided to dedicate your entire fucking life to. Yeah. And the fact that you're defined by your career choice. Yeah. So there's a theme that runs throughout this movie where Borden is willing to dedicate his entire life yeah. to the act after seeing a Chinese magician uh, Chinese magician. Yeah. Where they they figure out (laughs) the Chinese magician is not an old man sort of bumbling around. He's a normal dude who's just in character Mm -hmm. as an old Chinese man. And he sticks in character, whether he's on stage or not, whether the second Mm -hmm. he's in public or might be seen, he's in character. And Borders like, fuck yes, I'd do that. And you see Angier sort of being like, that is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angier's already in fucking character. Angier has changed his name. He's changed. He's moved away from his entire family because he didn't want to embarrass his family because he comes from extreme wealth, right? Yeah. So he's uh, the total dedication to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. They have lost their entire personas yep. to magic and to their they, stagecraft. They they are portrayed as opposites throughout a lot of this film, but there is yeah. very little that separates them in in almost all ways. They yeah. are the same person. And it's an important theme, I think, of the film, is that they are the same guy looking at themselves going, I hate this. They hate themselves because they, they hate each other because of how much they remind each other of themselves. It's insane. It's insane. You know that Asian magician that you mentioned, right? Yeah. You know he was a real magician. Chung Ling Su in okay. 1918... Right. right, was a white man. <laughs> oh my god! Who stole the act of Ching Ling Fu? What? Right? Chung Ling Su <laughs> was a white man whose real name <laughs> <Go on. laughs> was William Ellsworth Robinson. Fuck me! Man. <laughs> he had he had about four or five different wives, one of whom was from Plymouth. Represent <laughs> <laughs> and died uh, because of a bullet catch gone wrong. And when he was shot in the stomach, he said, my God, something's happened. And they were the first English words that he'd said in 19 years in public. Could this guy actually speak Chinese? Because no, I mean, he was just see, making noises. Oh, dude, that's I was literally thinking 1918, <laughs> this is going to be horrendously racist. Yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. was. And then it got worse. So yeah. He wasn't even speaking Chinese. He was just he was pretending to be Asian. Yeah, whilst yeah. pretending to speak Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whilst stealing the act yeah. of another person. Who was Chinese. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. me. But that point you make about, um, about looking at this, <laughs> looking at that guy <laughs> and going, so you know, bad. oh, it's the dedication to the craft. Yeah. One of the differences between them in the early days is everything here is, is foreshadowed. Oh, the whole movie is completely ruined within like the first couple minutes. The first two shots of this film mm. give away the whole movie. Yeah. They, they really do. So yeah, the, yeah, the opening yeah. shot panning around a field of top hats. Yeah. And then it cuts to two canaries in a cage. Mm. And it's both magicians. One kills himself 
or a copy of himself every night, every mm-hmm. show. That's the top hat, and that's Angier. And then you've got the two twin birds in a cage. Yeah, which represents Borden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got... It's incredible. A- Angier says early on, I don't want to kill dubs. And Cutter says, you're going to have to. That's, that's yeah, You've yeah. got to get your hands dirty at some point. Yep. Both of them end up with their hands covered in utter filth. Yeah, just, just the just dirtiest, the the that dirtiest burgers that I've ever seen, ever. Um, the the whole movie is spoiled. I'd say before that. So you've got the mm. opening shots and stuff, but then yeah, the yeah. second that Cutter starts talk, uh, starts talking, he has like an opening monologue. Yeah, and he tells you exactly what is going to happen in the film, right? In this moment, yeah. Christopher Nolan becomes a magician, and I hated it because <laughs> I only picked up on it after uh, on mm-hmm. the rewatch. So I yeah. uh, rewatching it, right? So I'm just going to give you like a couple. Just a quick run through. Yeah. Cut a speech. Uh, the pledge. Act one. Right? Are you watching yeah. closely? The pledge. Act one. Shows you an object. A, uh, shows you an object. A deck of cards. A bird or a man. Mm-hmm. We see Hugh Jackman. Obviously like Angier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to see if it's real. And it probably isn't. So what he's saying is, is a magician will show you what he's going to be using. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is what Nolan's doing at the time. Because he, he, show, he showed you. The top hats. The K the as a canary. And then he goes on to say, Act Two, the turn. The magician then takes the ordinary something and makes it do something extraordinary, which is what Nolan plans to do. He plans to take a normal yeah. film and make it do something extraordinary. Now you're looking for the secret that you won't find because you're not really looking. You don't really want to know how it's done. You mm-hmm. want to be fooled. You wouldn't clap yet because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. Yeah. So that's the entire fucking, essentially the middle part of the movie, right? Is yeah. just, it's fucking mental that you are sitting there looking for yeah. the secret, but you're not really looking for it because yeah. it's literally told to you immediately and you've already missed it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes in to explain the prestige. And what I want to ask you, Rob, mm-hmm. is with this film here, whose prestige is this film about? I would say, and this is going to get a bit wanky, but bear with me. It's Christopher Nolan's prestige. And the, <laughs> the reason for that is, the, and it comes down to one of the reasons this is my favorite film, one of my favorite films. Stop stroking your chin. I'm not. Okay. I can, I can see it. I can see it. You're like, there is a very thin line between stroking your chin and wanking your mm. chin. And so. I'm edging my chin. You are edging your chin right now. <laughs> Well, okay, no, look, look, look. I bear, I bear with me for a second. Okay, he's made a film mm-hmm. about a topic. Yes. Not only has he made it about the topic, he's made the film an example of that topic. Yes, he has. He's making a film about magic tricks. Yes, the film itself is a magic trick. Can you imagine yes. if he did the same thing with Oppenheimer? Yes. Can you imagine? It would be great if if his film about yeah. Oppenheimer was a literal nuclear bomb. Yes, I was literally just about to say in IMAX, the second it ends, it's Raining Men starts playing and the fucking cinema yeah, yeah. explodes, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, mint. It, mint. As, um, as incredible as that would be, mm-hmm. this film achieves. He creates an example of the thing he's making a film about, and it's the film itself. Okay. And okay, he's a posh boy. Okay, he's pretentious. I get that, and I get <laughs> about magicians, and I get that it's Victorian London. But for a film to be an example of the very thing it's about yeah. has to, at some point, deserve a fucking round of applause. Yeah, it's the snake eating its own tail whilst also yes. wanking itself off. Love it. It's, a, it's, a, it's the, the, the masturbatory reach around 
<laughs> it's doing it's look, turning your entire body 360 degrees whilst keeping your legs firmly planted facing forward and just jerking it and the second you come whipping yourself back around the ultimate reach around love it yeah it's great don't get me wrong the story the way that it's constructed everything about it is fucking wicked yeah it's just the surface shit that i was struggling with um i'm gonna disagree with you on that one that's a very poignant point i'm gonna politely Mm -hmm. disagree because i do think it's it's nolan's prestige i do think it's very very wanky (laughs) yeah i'm gonna say that this is cutter's prestige okay the whole film is cutter explaining to you exactly what he's gonna do he sets up the trick strap myself in here right so he he shows you shows Mm -hmm. you the deck of cards shows you the bird Whilst he, whilst Cutter's doing a magic trick, his monologue is happening, right? And he shows you a bird mm-hmm. in a cage. And then he says, as he says, uh, or a man, it cuts to Hugh Jackman. Like, Cutter mm-hmm. is showing you a man, right? Yep. And then he takes the ordinary something to aggressively mediocre magicians who are doing the mm-hmm. same tricks that everyone else is doing and makes it do something extraordinary. He turns them into, like, big stage performers. He builds their tricks. He helps mm-hmm. them out throughout their career. And he, he's the one that's building it through. And the prestige is when he realizes that both fucking magicians have been lying to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, you know what? Go fuck both of yourselves. I'm yeah. going to put an end to all of it. I'm going to destroy this machine that Angie has bought mm-hmm. because it's, an, it's a literal... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's real fucking magic and no yeah, one yeah. should have this. Not yeah. even science should have this. <laughs> yeah. I just want to destroy it. And that's when he sees Angier, yep. and he's like, no, 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 fuck this. So you've done all of this just to steal Borden's daughter. Yeah. You are a cock end, sir. And yep. he's like, where do you want your fucking machine? And I'm going to take it. Where do you want your shit? Meet me mm. at the theatre. Brilliant. Cutter gets there, and he delivers this just fucking beautiful final, mm. final word, final little jab in the back. Do you remember when your wife was drowning and I told you that that sailor who was also drowning told me it felt warm and like he was going home? I was lying. Said it was mm. fucking agony and then just turns <laughs> and walks away and it's like, oh my God, you absolute boss. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I was, th- that's when I was thinking, maybe this is uh, Cutter's Prestige and I was like, but there's not enough sort of to it mm-hmm. right up until he walks out of the theatre and yeah. Fallon is walking mm-hmm. into the theatre. Now, this theatre is a dilapidated old building. Yep. Borden doesn't know that Angier owns this building. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck would Fallon know yep. that Angier owns this building? Unless Cutter tells him. Yeah. Cutter also knows that Fallon mm-hmm. and Borden are the doubles. He yep. knows that one of them is dead. I think it's Fallon that dies and Borden carries on mm-hmm. living. Um, but it's up for debate. Interpret it how you will. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so Fallon or Borden walks into the theatre, gets the ultimate fucking revenge on Angier. It's Cutter's Prestige. Oh, he brings the man back. He brings the man back. It's not enough to make something disappear. You have to bring it back, which is what he does. He brings brings, uh, Borden back to his little girl. Yeah. And whilst he's delivering this monologue, at the end of the movie, you see that he's performing the bird in the cage trick Mm -hmm. for Borden's daughter. It's Kurt's prestige. He brings the dad back to the little girl. It's fucking beautiful because I love Michael Caine. I think this might be one of the most insanely written movies I've ever seen. Right, that's the thing, and that and so so hit so so you're right about the cut thing. I I do agree with you. I think you're right reason, about the Nolan thing as well. But here's but here's here's the thing. Here's why it's so dear to me. Right, mm-hmm. you know you know I'm a writing nerd. You know I'm you know for me a film is the script and yeah. everything like. If you get that right, there is mm-hmm. no sin you can commit, except maybe bad sound where I can't hear the script. 
Yeah. Uh, if you've got the script right, I'll, I'll love you forever. Mm-hmm. There's little things like Angiers says, fingers crossed, before he does the dove trick. And Borden comes on yeah. and fucks up the dove trick. And the cage ends up wrapped around an audience member's fingers. And her yeah, fingers yeah. are incredibly mangled. You've got the fact that Alfie Borden is two brothers, Albert and Frederick. And so Alfie is a contraction of oh, both their names. Oh, shit. I didn't even right. click on that. You've got the fact that the, the magicians are called Alpha, uh, uh, Alfie Borden, A.B., yeah. and Robert Angiers, R.A., Abra. Fuck me, man. Just pointless stuff like that, right? Yeah, okay. And then you've got you've got every every character's got a mirror or an opposite. Michael Caine's cutter has got... Um, Andy Serkis plays a guy called Ali, who's who's essentially Tesla's engineer. Mm. Um, what a dude. It's an incredibly tightly written Rubik's Cube of a movie, and no matter which way you twist it, it comes out this balanced. Everything's there for a reason. There's yeah. not an in, inch of fat on it, and everything that's true of an Edgar Wright stri- script for comedy. Mm-hmm. What Edgar Wright does for comedy, Nolan does for drama. Okay, and I think I think the reason this is about Nolan, this film resonates for me at least. Is Nolan mm-hmm. is a guy who's known for making these sort of puzzle box trick movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as Angiers lies dying on the floor. And and Borden goes, you know, you did all this for some silly tricks. And Jiz looks at him and he goes, you, you, no, why why do we do this? It's, and he he says he says this. He says the audience knows the truth. The world is simple. It's miserable and solid all the way through. But if you could fool them even for a second, and then you can make them wonder, and then you get to see something really special. You really don't know, do you? It was the look on their faces. <laughs> and I feel like Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. it's him going, I can identify with that. Doing, just giving somebody a bit of time mm-hmm. where there's a pretend world where the rules are different and just some, just wrapping people up in an intellectually stimulating little puzzle box of a movie where you can go, oh, ah, ooh, ee, and you're trying to work it out on the first one. Yeah. And there's fireworks and there's effects. And then the second time you watch it, there's more. Just that always more juice in the squeeze. This is one of those juicy movies. Yeah, exactly. I've watched this maybe four or five times through. Because it's like the first one, I keep saying it, the first one's super rough. The second one, much less rough. And up to now, I'm sort of having fun with it because it's not about the magic or the magicians. It's It's about the characters, Mm -hmm. which I feel like up until this point, Nolan has not even come close to the depth of character that he has in this film. And exactly. that's that's where I started getting lost. And mm-hmm. the rewatchability for that comes into play for me because it's, I know how they fuck each other up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how the movie is a trickery. Mm-hmm. I know how this is essentially a warm-up for Inception because the movie <laughs> takes place yeah. in a prison cell of Borden reading a journal. Whilst <laughs> Borden's reading a journal, it then cuts yeah. to <laughs> the next level of the movie, which is Angia reading Borden's <laughs> journal for about two years. Right? It's essentially fucking bookception. So this is <laughs> your literal wet dream, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> and it's it's fucking great though. Because it's mm. no matter how many times you watch it, you're like, okay, so they're trying to fuck each other. This is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Yep. But then you notice just one little mm. fucking one little particle. Yeah. Of a fuck you that slipped in just a little bit earlier and you're like, uh, 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 yeah. foreshadow, foreshadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. And the characterization is to the mm. depth where once you've seen it a few times, you can tell which of the Borden twins is in the scene. You can. 
because Christian Bale slightly modulates his performance and slightly modulates his accent and the way that that, that they're treated in the scene is mm-hmm. subtly different. It's and so, so if you're watching Albert though. or Frederick, it's subtle, but you can get it. It's like a five percent difference. It's it's yeah. literally like in a percentage, it's single digits, and it is masterful. You get to that scene where he where Borden is talking to who we think is Fallon at the time, and he's saying, "Well, this is goodbye. Yeah, you get to live your own life now. Mm. I'm sorry about Sarah because basically he has a wife and a all throughout the film. You thought he had a wife and a mistress. It's not. It's just one of them loves one woman, one of them loves the other. Yeah, and they're having to." pretend yeah, yeah, yeah. To lo- you know his wife says oh you don't you don't mean i love you today and it's because oh, he's trying his best to mean it and it's because it's the brother it's not yeah. it's not yeah, yeah borden yeah, who yeah. loves sarah one borden loves sarah one borden loves the assistant and then because they have to keep switching yeah some days when he tells sarah that he loves her yeah he means it and other days and it, he doesn't <laughs> and it comes back to that thing you were saying about them not being good characters you know both of them think they are making the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. Algiers thinks, you know, I'm killing myself every night. But what he's really doing is he's hurting everyone around him. And Borden, the Borden brothers think, well, we're the ones living half a life. But there he says that line. He says, um, we decided to, have, you know, share a life. We could just, just get by mm. on half a life each. But the people around us couldn't. Yeah. And that's the moment he realizes that what they've actually been stealing it's from the people around them. This is the clever bit, though, because it brings up a lot to look at in your own life. Because at the end of the day, like I work nine to five in an office, right? Yeah. And I can work over if I want to. Mm. But the only people that are ever going to remember that I stayed yeah. late or worked weekends or went above and beyond for an extra two hours a day or whatever are the people around me. Mm. The family that I missed out on whilst I was doing that. Because mm. no other fucker is going to remember that shit. No yeah. one cares. No one Your cares. manager's not. They, they no. noticed that day. I love my... I, everyone I work with, I fucking adore. They're incredible people. Mm-hmm. But in 20 years' time, <laughs> no mm-hmm. one's going to yeah. care. Do you remember that one Thursday that Ben stayed 15 minutes late to really get those emails in? No. No one. Yeah. So it brings to question your own life. It lets you look at your own... Evaluate your situation. What yeah. is important to me and who am I... Who am I wanting to be remembered by? What impression am I leaving? I love that shit. It's a great sentiment. Do you want to play a game? I do want to play a game. Okay. I have devised a game because I'm not going to lie, I struggled this week. Yep. Because uh, magic. I don't like magicians. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> I am going to present to you, Rob McFarlane, magician or serial killer. Magician or murderer would have been catchier, but let's go. Oh, that would have been good alliteration. That would have been good writing. <laughs> but what I did is I went the magician route and just settled. <laughs> <laughs> we love our magician listeners, all of you. Liars! <laughs> I'm going to give you a name. Right. You have to tell me whether they are a serial killer or mm-hmm. a magician. Right. Okay. Uh, Georgie Martirosian. I mean, that's clearly a magician. Ah, almost. It is both. It is a serial killer who also did magic. Oh, okay. Nice. Can't trust them. Just going to put that one out there. Cannot trust them. Peter Nyers. Murderer. Oh, almost, Rob. He was both. So, again, a magician and a serial killer cannot trust magicians. Right, okay. Now, this one, Rob. I need you to listen carefully on this one because it's a four-parter. 
Mm-hmm. Robin Gecht. Edward Spritzer. Andrew Cocorealius. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> dyslexic. And Thomas. Same name. Cocorealius. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just go with um the Pavlovian conditioning and say both. Oh correct. Yeah. Well done, sir. And that is I do feel like if you're a magician and you can't successfully get rid of a body, you yeah. have fundamentally failed. Just put it in the hat. Now you see it, now you don't. Just you know chop, what I mean? Just just chop them up and put them in the hat. Cut them in half on stage and then be like, whoops. Who <laughs> <laughs> gives a shit? <laughs> so uh fat ten. That's your rating for this. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I just thought before we oh, get I thought you had about, ratings. I thought you were rating the, the game. Oh, absolutely not. It's awful. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for putting all that work into it. Awful. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, At least no. seven minutes. <laughs> I pulled that out of my ass. That's my magic trick. Fuck you. You could have pulled that out of a hat. That would have been good writing. Oh, uh, good writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I thought there's no point beating around the bush. I'm not going to do a... a a setup and a turn and a prestige fat 10 obviously that's why i brought this director it's right. the prestige it's one of my favorites fat 10 the question is ben groves yes what are you rating this film okay um writing and story and character mm. eight Oof. easy big what's the caveat what's the caveat caveat is it's fucking magicians in victorian london <laughs> right okay so what's your overall what's your definitive letterbox and also it's a sci-fi that's, and that's also nikola tesla with david bowie that brings it up a point to be honest that brings it up to yeah that fair. brings it up a bit with, Nik- with david bowie tesla Come yeah, on. i'm gonna go i'm gonna go seven overall it was a right. very difficult watch and the fact that i had to force myself to sit down and watch it sort of yeah. three or four times yeah incredibly written Story's mm. incredible. Characters are great. I hate everyone in it, apart from Nikola Tesla, who is David Bowie, and very beautiful right. in this film. It is just, it's the surface stuff. It's its a hard, the entertainment factor's hard to mm. grasp for me. It's more of a study Fine. than uh, than an yeah, yeah, entertainment yeah. break, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, surprisingly, doesn't really go with my character, although I am quite <laughs> an academic. You know, I love to sit down and read about new topics and watch documentaries. Of and course. all that shit. We've just got time for Comment Corner. Have you got any delicious comments I for us? Fucking this week? do, mate. This has been a juicy, juicy week for Comment Corner. Yeah, Over been. on Facebook, Adam mm-hmm. reached out to me and was saying, I'm listening to your Cocaine Bear episode. You have my full agreement of everything. It's just fucking fun. And fun is in all caps. So, Adam, thank you for validating my existence yeah. and my opinions. That makes me feel hella good. Yeah, um, it's it's good. Cocaine Bear episode is live. Kai and Kim interview. Go listen to it. Go watch the film. Support it because we need more of the it. Kai and Kim episode is fucking excellent. To be fair, absolute legend. Uh, I've got a slightly different comment. Cool on our clip regarding the making of Insomnia on Great Instagram. Mm. Jacoby Raven uh, comments. Uh, uh, well, okay, brevity is the source of all wit. Um, shite. The- Sorry, that's the, the whole comment. <laughs> Uh, Jackie Raven just just wrote shite. Oh wait, 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 wait! That was enough. The movie shite or the the podcast is shite. I don't know. Either way, I, I love know. it. Either way, I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm so, so thanks for get thanks for getting in touch, Jacoby. Uh, I've had a great week, and that's really really helped. Jacoby, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, love it. Fucking love it. <laughs> that's the, one of the funniest comments that we've had. Shite. <laughs> shite. <laughs> uh, man, I want that confidence. I just want to be scrolling through Instagram. Shite. Shite, <laughs> shite, 
Min. <laughs> Shite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've got the comment to top all comments, um, and it's incredible. Right. Because not only is it long, but it's also... Uh, it's it's a thinker, right? Okay. This one's from Vicky on Instagram on our following clip. What if Nolan's movie Brilliance had help from ETs, extraterrestrials, feeding him ideas in his unconscious, done to bring us along as a species to begin to think outside of the box, to get us ready for something we could not fathom without the movies? Clues fed to us. Beginning with Spielberg, extraterrestrials are here to help us evolve. They are not here to harm us, and so much more evolved than we are, there is nothing we can ever do to harm them. They did build the pyramids. They've been on Earth for a millennia. (laughs) Now, Uh, to quote my my good friend Jacoby Raven, (laughs) shite. I need to point out that this comment took so many sharp left turns. Yeah. It calls out all sorts of shit. We know how the pyramids are built. Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan are now working with extraterrestrials. They have been Mm -hmm. here for a millennia. They are here to help us. They're so far Mm -hmm. evolved from us that we can't harm them. There's a lot to unpack in that, and that's what I like in my comments about the movie following. It's got fuck all to do with the movie. (laughs) Jacoby, mate, if you're still listening, could you reply to that one for us? Cheers, bud. (laughs) (laughs) That might be my favourite comment of all time. Those two right there. E.T.'s controlling Nolan to get us ready for something. Mm-hmm. That was on the following clip, by the way. Just want to put that one out there. Following. Gift that keeps on giving. Dude, I, I know. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. So we're... Listen. I yeah. see you smiling a little bit. Are you feeling a bit better? Yeah, I know earlier I'm... on you said you didn't want to get into it, but, you know, Papa Ben's um, here. Give me, give me some, so give me you know some what? sugar. I, this, is, this is a great performative example. Of mm-hmm. why we do this show, okay? Because it sure as shit isn't because we're experts on films. I think that's become abundantly clear in the hour you've been listening to us. But I do think, as men, we don't tend to talk to one another aimlessly. We tend to have to have an activity, right? It's like, oh, we'll go play golf, or we'll go have a beer, or there has to be a thing you're doing that mm-hmm. isn't hanging out with your friend. Hanging out with your friend has to be like a secondary activity that happens alongside. Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons or Paintball right. or Whoa. Or, Whoa. I'm just, or just calling just, me out there, sir. You are correct though. That that is exactly what they are. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so I feel like you and I starting a podcast was a was a good way of us having like it has to be every week. It has to be for about an hour. It has to be this sort of thing. You keep me on the straight and narrow. I can exactly. keep you on the straight yeah. and narrow. We can check in and make sure that we're doing okay. Yeah. And generally, at the start of this, so basically, the, the long story short, because we've we run out of time, because you mm. never leave me enough time to talk about what's going on with me, because you hate me. Magic. I was sick all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I hope just make it disappear. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. sick all weekend. I'd, 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 I'd been booked to hang out with somebody this weekend. I was really looking forward to it. I basically got there, used all their toilet paper and left. It. <laughs> it's not my sexiest, sexiest week. And by way of apology for being a, a massive sexual letdown, I, uh, I went to make them lunch for the week. Put a frittata in the oven, took it out, looked mint, uh, went to sort some garnish out, turned around, went, oh, that needs flipping, grabbed the handle full hand. Full oh my God. Straight out of the oven. And basically burned my hand so badly that I needed for the for the next twenty hours, <laughs> I needed to be holding a refrigerated object. 
Oh my god! I called. I went to the pharmacist and went, "Look, if you got some anaesthetic spray, they're like, yeah, we do. It will sort it right out. It'll stop the burning. Well, that's good. But you do need a prescription, so just ring one one one, and they'll sort right. it out. Fucking hell! But that's a whole that's a whole palaver. That's like yeah, a yeah, yeah. That's a two day thing, right? So I, I went through. I no, I rang one 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 there and then, and they went, yeah. yeah, we can't do that. But I've just uh, we've gone. We've got to answer these questions. I answer the questions. They're like, yeah, you need to go to the treatment center immediately. I'm like, really? Because I got a train in about two hours. And they're like, no, we'll see you. So we sat in a treatment center for two hours to be seen by a nurse who went, what's happened? And I'm mm. holding a, a fucking touched an oven object. They're like, well, what have you done about it? I'm like, I'm holding a refrigerated object. They go, does that hurt? I'm like, well, not when I'm holding the refrigerated object. And they go, well, problem solved then. <laughs> Fuck me, man. <laughs> Led me out the door. So I get back, fucking mm-hmm. three and a half hour train journey back, doing the entire thing. The buffet, every time the buffet car comes in, I have to buy a can of Coke. Oh. I spent like 15 quid on cans of Diet Coke just because they were cold. Jesus. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Get home, wake up in the morning, my entire side of my face is swollen up. Turns out I've got a dental abscess on the nerve for my oh, face. Oh, fuck, that's rough. My entire eye, jaw and face have swollen up. And I look like a sort of child's drawing of a pear. Jeez. No, you don't. Look at that face. You're I did. beautiful as I ever. I did at the time. Oh, you then... did send me a picture and yeah, I said it was mumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rang 111. Fucking knew that number. <laughs> they said, uh, I was on It's hold. a burn. Just hold a fucking can of Coke. Leave us <laughs> yeah. alone. They were like, what now, cunt? And I was like, oh, something <laughs> else has happened. And they went, well, call the dental hotline. Called them. Mm-hmm. They said, well, it's 3.30, all the appointments are gone. Call back tomorrow morning. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Just live with it for a bit and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. see how you get on. So, so I lived with, my, with a spike through my face all night. Oh. Rang up in the morning. I was on hold for two hours. Fuck me. They got me an appointment at three o'clock. I got there. The lady went, what have you been doing about it? I said, oh, I've been taking painkillers and I need some antibiotics. And she went, yeah, well, we can't do anything. The, the wait for a dentist is uh, two <sighs> years, but you've got about off. five days to sort this out. So here's some antibiotics and some extremely addictive painkillers. I'm sure you won't have a problem with them. You've probably got no history of that. Which painkillers? So I've got uh, codeine. Ooh. Yeah. Opiates. <laughs> yeah, mate. Trust me, the the show notes for this for this, <laughs> for this episode have been really useful because I am fucking... Gr- you can't see my hands, but I'm gripping on to fucking reality. No, I've, I've seen you gripping. But the upshot is, having done this, talked about a film I love, talked mm-hmm. about what you liked about it, talked about what didn't work for you, talked about what doesn't work for me, which is nothing because this film was perfect, has genuinely I mean, it's made... Well, uh, besides magicians. Okay. All right. <laughs> It's genuinely changed my 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 reality because I'm Good. in a much better place. I'm fucking glad, man. I also feel like a massive wanker that you let me go on about Earl Grey tea and how I've always wanted to eat potpourri at the beginning of the episode. Because now I feel like I should have showed more fucking compassion for your situation because that is literally all I've done this week is drink tea and think I could eat a potpourri. You've genuinely been through a shit show and I feel like a cunt for not like... And, and the fact that you feel like a cunt is the mm. only thing that could have made this podcast better for me. Oh, so thank you. I love it's that you died. Genuinely... Look at you eating this up. You're just sort of, yes, <laughs> he is a cunt. That's all the time we've got for this week. Uh, I'm going to leave Ben in this state. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> next week, join us next week for the grand finale of our Goebbels Golden Grilled Cheese Sandwich, where we cover... Blood and gold! I actually cannot wait for this, mate. Consume... New German movie. 
available on Netflix. Every go, everyone go watch it. In the run-up to it, it's a European movie. And Rob, because we've been doing European movies, I've been looking into the laws of Sweden. And uh, did you know that it is illegal in Sweden? Oh, I fucked this up completely. I'm going to get it next week.